0: Good morning, everyone. We're so grateful that you're here. All of you who are in person on all of our campuses. Yay, God, that you are here today. And everyone that is joining us today for worship that are online, Some of you for the very first time, and others of you have been coming months and months, and we're so grateful to you and so grateful to the Lord for connecting our hearts together. Thank you for being a part of this service. This is a big day for Kathy and I, for her whole family, because it's an opportunity for us to be able to say to you, we love you. It's just so true. We love you. You have treated us better than we've ever deserved. You have given us such kindness and such love. And over the course of these 20 years, I can hardly believe it's 20 years. When I was looking at myself up there 20 years ago, I feel like I haven't even changed a bit. I, it's as though it were yesterday that has happened. And we've had the opportunity to be on a journey together arm and arm together, shoulder to shoulder, and it is wonderful what God has done among us. The truth is, this day isn't about me at all. It's not about Kathy and I at all. This day is really about our journey together with God, and the story is the story of God, and what God has done among us. Did you know that Sugar Creek has been a church now for 47 and a half years? we're almost 50 years old. And over the course of the 50 years, you've only had four lead pastors. That's absolutely amazing for any church's history. Only four lead pastors in almost 50 years. It tells you the longevity of the, the times that these pastors have been here. I think back to to Dalton Havard, Dr. Havard. Dr. Havard was the pastor two year, two pastors before me, and I, he and I became friends. And over the course of our time together before he we went to be with the Lord, we became deep, deep, deep friends. So many times we would go out and, and have lunch together. I would ask him, what's your opinion about this or that? and I loved this man. Now I called him Dalton, uh, Dalton Havard, I called him Dalton, and actually his, the pronunciation, the correct pronunciation is Dalton Havard. But I, I asked him, well, how do you feel with people calling you Dalton? And he said, it's okay, most people call me Dalton. As long as you call me for dinner, that's all that matters for me, <laughs> which sounds like Dr. Havard. And then, I, Over especially the last year of Pastor Fenton's life, he and I spent so much time together. We got to know each other and and love each other. We, We became great, great friends. Both of these men, Pastor Havard had been here for nine years. Pastor Fenton had been here for about 12 or 13 years. These are great men, great leaders, and did an amazing job, and God blessed them so much. And in a a great way, I just stand on their shoulders for the, the work that they did among this church. And then, about 21 years ago, Sugar Creek was going through a hard time. It was a hurtful time. It was a difficult time. And this church made one of the greatest decisions it ever made. It asked the legend, Dr. John Bassanio, to come and be its interim pastor. And he came and for nine or 10 months, he just loved on this church and he t- taught this church and he brought this church back to healing and gave it the, the direction that we're going. And I have had the, been able to be the beneficiary of these three great men. It is really a right thing, a biblical thing, for us to stop every so often and look back and see what God has done among us. You read the Old Testament, it is happening all the time. Somewhere, it stops and says, now remember all the things that God has done. Even in the New Testament, you'll see it. Now remember what God has done. So would you give me permission this morning to do that for the last 20 years? It won't be long, but to the last 20 years, Of what the highlights are that God has done among us. Sugar Creek in this span has become one of maybe the top five churches in the United States in diversity, the racial diversity of this church. I don't know how in the world it happened but it happened before our very eyes. And that idea of being one of the top five churches that, that are diverse in our country doesn't come from me. It comes from a theologian that I've spent some time with. I told him what was going on. He's a sociolo- sociologist as well. And as we were talking, he said to me, I promise you, there aren't five other churches in the United States like Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And I thought to myself, there's not any churches in the United States like Sugar Creek. God has done an amazing work here before our very eyes. And I want to come back to that in a moment. During these 20 years, we built the family center that cost $22 million. But this family center, what would we do today without it? It has tied all our buildings together and brought us together. How in the world could we function without that building? But it was $22 million. When I saw the price tag, my heart sank. I thought, how in the world? But in five years, we had paid off that building entirely. It was a work of God, it was a miracle of God among us. I think it was 2004, about two or three years after I came to be your pastor, the church made another incredible decision. We called one pastor, Juan Carlos Heredia, to come and lead our Spanish ministry, amen. When Pastor Heredia came here, Pastor Juan Carlos, we only had a handful of people. And now Sugar Creek's Spanish ministry is one of the top two or three Spanish ministries in the greater Houston area. It is amazing what God has done among us. We made the decision 10 years ago to become a multi-site church, which was the hardest job I have ever seen in ministry. We launched almost 10 years ago what we called initially the Siena Campus, Sugar Creek at Siena, simply because it was at Ridgepoint High School and we gave about 300 or so of our members to launch that new campus at at, uh, Ridgepoint High School and it was strong and vibrant. But about two years or three after we began, we got the opportunity to buy Colony Creek Community Church's property, their buildings and their property on Highway 6. It had incredible visibility. We changed the name from uh, Siena Campus to Missouri City Campus. And when we opened, I'm telling you, we exploded with growth. It was amazing what God did at the Missouri City Campus and is still doing. A few weeks ago, I was at, back at the Missouri City Campus. I love being there. I loved seeing the people that I have known and loved now for 20 years and the leadership that is there and the godly people that make up the Missouri City Campus. And that Missouri City is back. I was just amazed by how full the worship center was for two services and how God is blessing that campus. And I'm going to tell you something. What the Missouri City campus needs is a new worship center, they need a new auditorium. And we got to somehow, some way, we're praying for God to give us the money to do that. It'll, be, it'll take about another $3 million, and we're asking God to bless us and help us. And once that happens, that campus is going to expand. Explode even further. It has a great campus pastor in Pastor Xavier Maryland, who, by the way, he and Francine have a new baby boy. So we love you, Missouri City. We love this campus and what God is doing. Two years ago, uh, we did the craziest thing that you can ever do. We decided to launch a new campus in the middle of the pandemic. What crazy people would do such a thing? And in fact, I was reminded of that by a few of my pastor friends. You are nuts. You are crazy. Nobody opens up a new campus during a pandemic. What is wrong with you? And I said, it won't be the first crazy thing I've done. So, and it probably won't be the last one either. But I said, in my heart, I know we're to move now. We're to do it now. And we launched that campus in the middle of a pandemic and God has blessed it. We have a Spanish ministry there that started with nobody, but just a handful of people now running about 150 people and the English service so strong and God is blessing that campus. And Richmond Rosenberg, we're so proud of you and the campus pastor, Pastor Tim Homa and the incredible job that he is doing there. Amen. Now in the midst of all of this, God did something we never anticipated. We never saw this at all. We went online and because every other church went online, it was the only way that we could get together is to go online with each other. And so we did it and we poured everything that we had in that online service. We wanted it to be the very best. But something happened that we never saw coming. We began to track people from all 50 states. We began to track people from, I don't know now, how, know how many countries. And we were stunned. How are they finding us? Why, why are they joining us? And people began to join us from places we had never even heard of. How in the world is this happening? Now we're back. The Sugarland campus is back, and, and the, the Missouri City and the Richmond-Rosenberg campus is back. And though we're back, I mean there's some that are not back because of their health, but not very many, we're back. And in the midst of that, we're still running every single week somewhere between an average of 1,600 and 2,000 online. Where are they coming from? What is God doing? But what is actually happening is that we're seeing many people online accept Jesus Christ as their savior. I mean, week after week, someone comes to know the Lord and we are seeing them join our church and they're giving to our church and they're volunteering from other states to be a part of this ministry. And now we're beginning to put together connect groups online, oh my soul, I would have never dreamt this in a million years, and led by Pastor Dave Grummy, it's like another campus has emerged among us, and we are totally amazed at what God is doing. Now, during the pandemic, something else happened. There was a moment in which, just a few months, in which we were calling out a fourth campus at our Darrington prison. And the reason is because we had led so many of the guys to Christ, they would connected so much to us, we were having hundreds of men that were a part of our Darrington campus. And then the pandemic hit. They shut down the prison, no one was allowed to come in, no communication was allowed to be had, for two years. And when the veil was lifted, All of the men that were connected to the Darrington campus had been transferred out to other prisons across the state intentionally. We thought about that, and here's what we we began to think. Do you remember in the book of Acts, When the persecution came to those Christians in Jerusalem and they were scattered to the winds, oh, it didn't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere they went, they shared Jesus and churches started popping up everywhere. All it did was spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, we have hundreds of men in prisons all over the state of Texas that are sharing Christ with other prisoners, and they are helping other prisoners come to know the Lord and to grow. And all that has happened is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God has done because that's what God does. in the five years before the pandemic, to my shock. There is a national magazine among Christians called Outreach Magazine, and for three of those five years, to my surprise, it listed Sugar Creek Baptist Church as one of the fastest growing churches in America. I had no idea. We have been through three hurricanes, two economic downturns, and one pandemic. And you would think in the course of the 20 years it would have slowed us up, it would have derailed us somehow. Oh no, it only expanded the gospel all the way through this area because Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against those who follow me. And we are witnesses to that truth. That is exactly what God is doing in our midst. But Sugar Creek doesn't just care about what happens in this region. God raised up a missions church here through the ministry of, of Dr. Haver, through the ministry of Fenton Moorhead. God raised up a ministry, a church that had its heart toward missions. And today we give more as a church to missions than we ever have before. Hilltop of Hope will be forever Sugar Creek. Second Mile Mission Center will be forever Sugar Creek. Living Water International will be forever Sugar Creek. These ministries emerged out of this church. And this summer we are back at Urban Camp, relaunching Urban Camp now that the pandemic is done. This church is strong. We're in Nepal, we're in India, we we are in Honduras, we are in Colombia, we are in, in countries all over the world. And there are tens of thousands of people that are coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior and thousands of churches that are being planted and this church is in the middle of all of it. Look what God has done. 50 years ago, there were a group of people that were in a Bible study, in a little room, in a bank. And in that Bible study, they began to pray, God, what do you want us to do? And there was a sense in their heart that God was calling that small group of people to plant a new church. Sugar Creek Baptist Church. How in the world are we gonna make it? How are we gonna pay the bills? We don't have enough people. How in the world are we gonna do this? But they made a decision, it doesn't matter. We don't have the answers to anything. But God is leading us to launch a new church and look what God has done because of the faithfulness of that group of people. Today, this church has members from 90 different countries. You can almost not name a country that we don't have some family in this church from that country. I'm talking about first and second generations. It's the most astounding thing I've ever seen in my life. Seventy different languages are represented in this church. Every tone of skin every color of skin that is represented in the world we have in this church we have people from every denomination you can name who have come and to be a part of sugar creek baptist church We have tons of Republicans and tons of Democrats and more independents than I've ever seen collected in any spot in my life. And yet, we come and side by side worship Jesus Christ. We come side by side and worship the Lord and love each other and are at peace with each other. I bring this up because I can't remember a time in my life in which there was more hatred between political parties than there are today, and more hatred between ethnicities than there are today. So how in the world could Sugar Creek Baptist Church exist with the diversity that is here? I'll tell you, What is it that holds us together? What holds this church together is a deep love for Jesus Christ. It is Jesus that holds us together. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 that Jesus tears down the barriers that people put up to separate them. Jesus tears down the barriers and you and I are watching that happen among us. In a time of such hatred in the nation, God has raised up a church where brothers and sisters of all races, all countries, all languages, all political parties could come together and be unified under one name, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you will lift up my name, I will draw all people to myself, and we are the living witness of that truth. What ties us together? It is our mutual love for Jesus Christ. It is our mutual love for the Word of God. It is our mutual love for the mission of God. This church has been faithful to God's Word. We will continue to be faithful to the Word of God. We will never let the culture tell us what is right and wrong. We will let God's word tell us what is right and wrong, and we will follow God's word. And God will continue to pour out his blessings on this church. So what is our job now as Sugar Creek Baptist Church? What is our job now? It is Sugar Creek Baptist Church's job to keep on dreaming and believing and seeing what God wants to do through this church. We're in a series, started a series two weeks ago, entitled Ex- in, in, uh, Experience and our Encountering God Day by Day. And two weeks ago, I shared with us that the, the first thing that needs to happen, we need to encounter God through worship. We come into the very presence of God through worship. Start at the throne. Last week, Pastor Juan Carlos showed us that another way in which we encounter God day by day is through prayer. And this morning, for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the third thing that causes us to encounter God, and that is by faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that the just will live by faith. The just means those who come to know Jesus as their Savior. God has justified us through the the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ. And those who have been justified through Christ, we have been called to live a life of faith. So what does that mean? What is faith? It was several decades ago I sort of hammered out this definition and Kathy and I were talking earlier today about it and she said, I remember the day that you you decided on this definition of faith. Faith is acting on a promise God has made to us even though it hasn't yet happened. Where do you get this kind of definition? Well, it's from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And notice what it says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In he, let's, let's take that verse and sort of separate the two parts. First of all, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You take all those words and parse them and you, you get their definition and you will arrive, and so I'm going to cut to the chase, you will arrive at this sentence. Your faith... In God's promise to you has just guaranteed you that you will receive it you see faith in God's mind begins with a promise from him but it has to be mixed with our faith remember what Jesus said according to your faith be it unto you Manly Beasley is one of the greats. he is the greatest man of faith I've ever met in my life Early in my ministry, I became friends with this man, and I loved him so deeply, so dearly. He was a man of faith. He taught me about faith more than any other person in my life has. I know most of you would not recognize the name, but some of you would, and it's Manly Beasley who said, faith is believing something to be so when it's not so in order that it would become so. God gives us a promise. We mix in our faith and God gives us what he promised. Our faith in God's promise assures us we will receive what it is that he has promised us. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and the last part of that first verse is faith is the conviction of things not seen. Faith is having a conviction that something is going to happen even though it hasn't happened yet. Faith is the ability to see something before it actually happens and being fully persuaded of it. That's the group of people that met in that room at the bank who came to have a conviction. God wanted a church here. We don't know how in the world it's gonna happen. We don't don't know how in the world it's gonna come together. But we've made the decision, the answer God is yes. And look what God has done. Now I'm not describing some name it, claim it theology. A name it, claim it theology isn't Bible. It isn't what the Bible teaches. The name and claim of theology says I can dream up anything I want and I can believe it and God is obligated to, tell, to do what I have conjured up in my own mind. But God's not under any obligation to do anything we've come up with. God is under the obligation to fulfill His promise. And when He has promised it and we have believed it, It's going to happen. Authentic faith is always tied to a direct promise from God. Biblical faith is not presumption. It's not walking on thin ice. It's not going out on a limb. It's not doing something crazy. Faith is not wishful thinking or even positive thinking. Faith is trusting in a promise God has made to me. And when I believe in the promise God has made and I act on it, faith guarantees that I will get it. This is the kind of faith of Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Ruth and David and Isaiah and Elijah and Jeremiah and Daniel. This is the faith of the Bible. So what is that promise that God has given to us? What is the promise that we trust in, that we believe in, and that we move forward on? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those which are lost. He's given his own purpose statement. He died on the cross. He rose again from the grave. And the day that he rose again, the Bible says he came through the door into the upper room where the disciples had gathered. I'm not saying he came through the doorway. I'm saying he walked through the door That's what the Bible says. And when he entered that room, they were scared to death. I can just imagine, can't you? What if we would have been there and suddenly Jesus would have walked through the door? And that's why in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus begins by saying, peace unto you. In other words, guys, calm down, it's okay. It's me. And as the Father has sent me, even so now, I send you. What was Jesus doing? He was transferring his purpose to seek and to save those which are lost to his disciples and to us. We have our marching orders, and Jesus sort of brought it all together right before he ascended to heaven. For 40 days he was with his disciples, and right before he went into heaven, he said in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, in that passage of Scripture, he gives a command, go and make disciples. But he also gives a promise, and lo, I am with you always. What does that mean? He's not saying, I'll be an observer and I hope everything turns out okay. What he was saying to his disciples is, I'll be the power that you need. I will give you the provision that you need. I will meet your need. I will make a way when there is no way. Because you are doing what I called you to do. I'll make sure that you are taken care of. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our job is to obey him, and his job is to provide for us. And oh my soul, how he has done it. Now there is one last thing, very quickly, I wanna share, and it's simply this. Faith takes God seriously. Hebrews 11 verse six says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe, and in this version, he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I don't think it's a good translation. I've seen several translations that have it that way. I don't think it's a good translation. And it is the word "exist" that I think is the problem. See that word exists? Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's not what the Greek says. What the Greek words are, that he who comes to him must believe that he is That's the word it uses. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Today I read that seven or eight out of ten Americans believe in the existence of God. But I'm going to tell you not seven or eight out of ten Americans please him, I can guarantee you that. Satan believes in God and he trembles. It's not just believing in the existence of God. No, it's far deeper than that. This verse means the person who is demonstrating faith believes that God is who God says he is. And there is a world of difference between the two. Because when you and I believe who God says he is... That he is the all-powerful God. He is the all-loving God. He is the all-holy God. That he's the all-knowing God. That he is with us every step of the way. There is a world of difference with that than believing that he just exists. Oh, no. When we believe that God is who he says he is, he is pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But when we receive who he is, He is pleased with our life and He rewards us who diligently seek Him. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 and 4 says it this way, God, you will keep the person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because that person trusts you. Trust in Yahweh, the Lord. For in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. He's called us out to trust Him. This church has been a church of faith for 47 and a half years. Launched out willing to take the step that seemed impossible. And we're not going to stop now. I know as a fact that God's going to keep blessing this church and moving this church and extending the reach of this church. And I'm all in. Are you all in? Are you all in with what God wants to do in this church? There's some of you today, I wanna ask you, have you given your heart to Christ? Have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Because if you haven't, you could right now. Online, on any of our campuses, there is a place called Next Step Center. And we want you to come and talk to one of our ministers And make a decision, I'm giving my heart to Christ. Maybe for some of you, I'm joining this church. For some of you, I am just recommitting my heart to Jesus Christ. But we're asking you today, would you be a part of this great work that God is doing? Would you open your heart to him? Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for what you have done in this church and what you will continue to do. And now, Father, we ask you, Would you be blessed? Would you empower? Would you provide? Would you keep leading us and blessing us as we follow you? Father, I pray for those that are listening to my voice online, uh, in person, on any of our campuses to give their heart to Christ if they don't know you already, that this is the day of salvation for them. Oh God, move in our church. And bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.